Liz just told me, pull it together, you're next. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) Wherever you want, that's good. Okay. I got it. Today is a mother's answer to prayer. (laughs) You might assume by looking at Elizabeth now that it was a piece of cake to raise her. (laughs) But you'd be wrong. And I used to say that Elizabeth did more for my prayer life than anything else. You remember she drove across from Boston to Oklahoma twice, alone, in uh, the last year. The first time in a car with no air conditioning. In August. In August. Oh, I forgot that. <laughs> but what a mother father and partners want for a child is that they find happiness. And this calling, this place, this Tulsa community has been more generous for her and with her than I could ever have imagined. I am serious. This day is the answer to prayer. Marlon, you were so generous in helping her find her way to this church to preach. And Tamara, you mentored her, you helped her, you took her in. And all the people, Jim, you were a soulmate, but you were like a parental figure out here. And you took her under your wing. But not only did all of the Unitarian ministers embrace her, this congregation embraced her, took care of her, saw her gifts, brought them to the surface, supported them. And so I would watch on the website and see, she's preaching again. (laughs) She seems to preach and not grow weary. She plays with Muppets and makes it holy. (laughs) She dresses up like Dorothy to help raise money, which that's a dream come true for her. She's been dressing up like Dorothy forever. She loves dress up. Dress up is like her favorite game as a child. Your preparation and your own sense of purpose have found an affirmation here which is rare and lovely to watch. I will never forget the warm reception that Peggy and I received when we came out here last winter. You'd only really been here a few months, and you all welcomed us in like family. I'll never forget something that Jan Turley said. Jan can't be here today. She has pneumonia. And those of you who know her, which is probably most of you, you know how she speaks. It's quick, and you can't always get what she's saying, and she came up to me. She didn't say much. It was an effort for her, and she said, 
you must be proud of your baby girl. And you know, in Boston, we don't say that very often. (laughs) Baby girl doesn't get into most conversations. But she nailed it. And ever since I thought about it, I thought about how human this congregation is and how you speak from the heart and how you help me own my pride. Thank you. Now for the charge. (laughs) I love this story about the call of Samuel. It was one of my favorite Bible stories to tell you when you were little. And it makes sense that you chose it today. From his youth, Samuel connected to God. And the interesting thing is it's not just a story, really, about a child. It's the beginning of a life journey in which Samuel continued to be connected to God and to speak with authority because of that connection. So how do you go from being a youth with potential to being an adult who walks with God. You won't be surprised to know that I have three ideas on this. (laughs) I promised I wouldn't have three points, but I lied. (laughs) It's based on the story of Samuel, but it's for you today. In the first place, Keep listening to your call. Samuel's first call was just the beginning. But what made Samuel great was that he kept that connection and he kept listening. Do you remember when you were at the second congregational church with John and Sarah, and we used to talk about the meaning of baptism, which might translate to child dedication or anything else, And I used to tell you that the Holy Spirit would light on your shoulder like this little bird. And this little bird would whisper into your ear. And that's how you would know God's voice was with you. You could hear it. One of the meanings of this story may be that it's easier for children to hear it than adults. But... In Samuel's case, he grew up listening for it. And the Bible says that when he went to choose a king for Israel, for example, he thought he had the right one when he saw the eldest of Jesse's sons, but he was wrong. And the reason he knew he was wrong in that moment was because he could hear God's voice. And God spoke to Samuel and cautioned him, beware, God sees things that you miss. Listen to me. God sees what's in a person's heart. And Samuel made better decisions because he listened to God's voice. My dad, your grandfather, who was a minister, graduated from Union Seminary in 1939 and went to his first assignment in 1940. And he likes to tell the story about starting on August 1st and deciding that he would preach and tell them what he learned in seminary. That lasted six to eight weeks. By October, he had told them everything he knew about faith. (laughs) Then in October, he started to preach because he started to think about how much he didn't know. 
and in that empty place where he felt like he had nothing to say every week, nothing that would impress anybody. He was forced to listen more deeply and think more acutely about the holy wrinkles at life's edges. That's when he started to be a really good minister, not just to show it off from seminary. Elizabeth, you've heard a call, and now you're in the process of learning to listen. Keep listening. In the second place, keep questioning your call. Samuel questioned who was calling him. That's kind of a tradition in our family. When I went to seminary, I went out in a canoe with my uncle, who was a minister, and uh, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going into parish ministry. And without stopping his stroke of the paddle, he said, don't do that. (laughs) That's a big mistake. You should be a teacher. I got out of the canoe at the end of the ride, scratching my head, and I was really disappointed. I was trying to impress him. Then I decided to tell my dad, Dad, I I think I'll be a minister. And he said, oh, I don't know. He said, "Uh, ministers, uh, the ministry's not really ready for women yet. And I, you know, I should have learned, but I didn't. When you came to me in college and said, Mom, I think I want to be a minister, I said, have you considered law school? Wedding planning, anything. (laughs) It may sound strange to you that a family with so many ministers would try so hard to dissuade each generation from this. (laughs) Sounds like that was going on in your family too, Jim. I'm not sure we really thought it through. But I think intuitively we understand that it's wrong to encourage people we love to choose this path for us. You can't do it for somebody else. You need to do it because it's the only thing you can do. The best ministers have the capacity to keep questioning. Not always their call, but themselves, even as they lead their people. The best ministers are secure enough to step back and question their motivations and their reactions to the church, even as they cast a vision for the people. So keep questioning. And finally, I hope you discover the joy of this profession. You have a great capacity for joy, and it's contagious, and the world needs your enthusiasm, your enthusiasm for justice. We need your impatience when things aren't right, We need your indomitable energy. We need your big heart. When Elizabeth was a little girl, she liked to draw. And she was a good drawer, and she often put hearts on her pictures. Lots of girls do this, but they usually outgrow it. (laughs) Why, I, I didn't even notice, but... Peggy has read this, and today when you were doing, you were helping Ruth with her picture at lunch, you wrote, she asked you to write her name, you wrote Ruth with a heart. <laughs> it's because I think you came to this world with a big heart. 
and your heart is at the focus and center of all you do, and it will be. So run with it. You bring your big heart to this work, and we need that. Your big heart makes you passionate about justice. Your big heart makes you a thoughtful listener and a good pastor. Your heart gives your ministry emotion and the capacity to connect with people. And you understand intuitively that the purpose of religion is to help people feel God's love and the love they have for one another and for the world. This congregation has responded to your heart and to your leadership, your intellectual leadership, but also your emotion and the way you bring it to this work. I hope and continue to pray that you find real joy here and wherever God may lead you, and that you know the richest blessings of this call. And I'm giving you my bird. <laughs>